Dave and I were talking in the back about how we're a little nervous about tonight because this morning was so good. And, uh, you know, as a speaker, like when something goes great, you just want to copy it and it never works. Like the jokes aren't as funny. It's just, it's, it's just everything. You try to remember what you did. And, and it's like, let's just forget this morning ever happened because God has a whole new group of people in here and he wants to do something unique and special and not just copy whatever happened this morning. And so I'd like to just pray because I, man, the, the, the message that we're coming with today about the kingdom of heaven is so important and so huge and I just want everyone to get it and I just want to be focused and, and I really I want to get out of the way and really have the spirit speak through me today through his word. So um, would, you, would you join me in a word of prayer right now? God, I pray that we would just get to experience you tonight. We want to be in awe of you, blown away by you. Even this moment right now, God, that we're speaking to you, I, I want us to really believe that this is truly awesome. to know you and to be able to just have access to you and to speak to you. So God, I pray that you would open all of our eyes to your beauty tonight, your glory, even if that means doing something totally different, to interrupt the service, even something that scares us, God, just to wake us up, God, out of our fog sometimes. We don't even know what we're what we're talking about or who we're talking to. So God, please guide this evening, continue to guide us. And I pray that we leave here like just mesmerized by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to start off with uh, a verse of scripture that I, I just want you to stare at it. Um, I have a tendency when it comes to teaching where I'll read a passage real quick and then, and then I'll just get into my explanation of it um, rather than just letting people look at the word of God and, and setting it apart from any of my words and going, okay, this is much bigger than anything I'll say, so just stare at it, focus on it, and let's just meditate on it. So if you'd put uh, the passage from Matthew 13 on the screens. So these are the words of Jesus. You know, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven, and, and, and so it's important to know what Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a, like a guy that, that, that found this treasure in a field, and, 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 and he, it was so valuable to him that he covered it up to make sure no one else stole that field from him. And he goes, and, and with joy, he sells everything he has, you know, and he goes to the owner and goes, hey, I want to buy your field. I got to have this field. I'll give you everything I own for this field. Like he says, that's, that's how valuable God is. That's the way we should respond when we understand, wait, I could have a relationship with him? Wait, so, so the God who made everything will call me his son? You gotta be kidding me. Where do I, here, take everything I have, it's so wonderful. Now contrast that to the story that Dave read last week. 
Remember last week the story of the rich young ruler where he says, how do I get heaven? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And the guy walks away and it says he walks away sad. Do you see the two, you know, the contrast right here? One guy with great joy is saying, this is so valuable. I'll give you everything. I want this. I want this. I want this. Another guy walks away going, oh, man, it's going to cost that much? I don't know. And he walks away sad. And when I think about the contrast between these two people, man, it's, it's like I want everyone to be like this guy who sees Jesus as so valuable. Like I, that's what I wish for all of you, but it's, it's like you can't make someone love the kingdom of heaven. You can't make someone fall in love with Jesus. Like it's, 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 it's nothing, I have no power over that. I'd love to make it happen, but I can't. And I, you know, I'm looking in your faces and I'm going, gosh, I wonder, like, like even, even for you, which person do you resemble more? Seriously, think about that. Are you the one that, that, that measures Jesus and looks at all the stuff that you have? Because the rich young ruler is thinking, man, are you kidding me? Sell everything? I've got a lot of money. I'm really rich. I'm still young. And you're saying, give all that up for Jesus. And then there's the other guy that's just fanatic. Like he's obsessed. You know, it's like, you know, whether it's the treasure or the pearl, he's like, I've got to have it. I've got it. Now, seriously, think about yourself. Who do you resemble more? Last week after I taught, I had several people come up to me and ask me questions. Um, and several people kind of asked the same question. They said, so are you saying I have to quit my job? And should I just give away everything I own? It's like, so, so do I have to quit my job? Do I have to give everything away? And, and, and my first answer, I got two things I want to say to that question. Um, first, not necessarily. I don't think God's calling us all to quit our jobs. I don't think God's calling us all to empty out our bank accounts. He might. It might be true for you. Hopefully you're open to that and would want to do that if he asked you to do it. But the question is, is are you focused on the kingdom of God? Like when people ask me, should I sell everything? Should I? I go, well, just, are you thinking about God's kingdom? Because maybe it'd be wrong for you to quit your job. Maybe you should work harder at your job. And, and, and some people say, you know, well, is it, is it wrong that I make this much money? I go, no. In fact, God may want you to make more money. It's not a sin to make money. But just remember, just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean he wants you to spend it on yourself. Okay, there's two different, it's almost like we assume if I make a lot, I spend a lot. And I spend a lot on me. But it could be that God, if you're looking at his kingdom, you're going, gosh, it actually might not be best for me to go to another country and do that. It might be good, 
but for me and how he made me and how to spread his kingdom, it might be better for me to just work harder here, make more money and give more away and just live a simple life here. That might be the best thing for the kingdom of God. But it's something that you need to pray through and go, okay, as long as you're seeking his kingdom and not yours. But the second thing I would say to you who say, well, do I have to quit my job? Do I have to give everything away, live in a tent? Is, is if the kingdom of heaven is all about have-tos and your relationship with God is, do I have to do this if I, versus get-to, then I go, you really need to start looking at your heart and go, man, how much do I want this thing? How great is it to me? Because I, 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 it's like Dave and I talked about this a little bit about the have to versus the get to. And I don't know if he's ever shared this here or he may not want to talk about himself like this, but uh, I know that when he came to San Francisco, like he felt this calling to San Francisco to start a church in San Francisco. And with great joy, he, he and Ashley said, you know, let, let's sell our house. Let's cash out our life insurance and, uh, you know, or, or our savings. I don't know if you have life insurance. It's like uh, retirement. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, different things. And uh, he goes, you know, let's, let's sell the house. Let's cash out retirement. Let's quit our job. And let's move to the city. I think this is where God wants me to start. You know, it's, it's with great joy that he goes, man, I, I gladly give all that up if we could have this. A body of believers in San Francisco where, where people are falling in love with Jesus in San Francisco. Like, it's not a have to. Okay, well, if we do that, do we have to sell the house? Do we have to get rid of this money? Do I have to quit my job? No, it's this desire, this want and it's, it's not about have to, but get to. It, it, instead of saying, do I have to be like Jesus? It's, it, the idea is that you would actually look at the life of Jesus and go, that's pretty beautiful. Okay, so you're telling me, here's, here's my God sitting in all of his glory, but he had such a deep love for this world that he left all of that, took the form of a man, took the form of a servant, died on a cross, and you know, he emptied himself of all of that and just spilled himself out for other people. And you look at that and go, man, that is so beautiful. And you go, God, I would love to be that beautiful one day. Jesus is actually attractive to me, and I would love it if one day I was so loving that I just gave my whole life for other people. And I didn't wake up just thinking about myself, but I actually think about others. See, that's what the early believers did. They, uh, they started selling their possessions and giving to other people because they saw what Jesus' example was, and they go, well, that's really beautiful. I want to be like that. And then the Bible says that people started calling the disciples Christians. Because they saw the way that they're living and they go, you, you're, you guys are acting like Christ. You're living for another world. You're spending your life caring for others, emptying yourselves for others. So it, was, it wasn't that the Christians called themselves Christians. They go, hey, we are little Christs. No, everyone else, the world is going, man, you guys are acting like Jesus. We're gonna call you Christians, ha! You know, it was just like this, we're gonna call you little Christ because of your actions, because they saw Jesus as that beautiful. And my question tonight is, 
man, is he beautiful to you? Do you go, man, I'm not there, but I want to be that. I want to be someone that had that much power, that much self-control, that I'm willing to let others walk all over me. I'm willing to let others betray me. I'm willing to let others take advantage of me. And I actually want to live for others and live for God. There's another passage I want you to look at. Um, It's Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Where Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, Jesus is saying, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. But he says, lay up treasures in heaven. And then he explains why. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The point Jesus is making is, if you invest a lot in this earth, you're just gonna be focused on it. Your heart's gonna be there. It's kind of like some of you, some of you save for retirement, right? Some of you are already saving for retirement, and you're just going, man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I've put away so much for retirement that when I'm 65, I'm gonna have a blast. And you're looking forward to it. Why? Because you put everything in there. And others are going, I'm not really looking forward to 65. I, I don't even know if I'll get there. I'm just gonna spend it all now. And I hope I don't turn 65 because I'll have nothing. You, you know, it, it's, just, it, it's just about your investment, where your heart is, right? But if you invest all this, and you're like, oh, man, I'm really living real simply so I can enjoy those last five years of life. And, you know, it's like you're really looking forward to that. And Jesus says, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you think about the first million years of eternity? and start investing into that because then your heart is going to be there. You'll start desiring those things. You know, I was, um, I was visiting some friends down in Southern California last week, and I, I went to their place in Malibu, and it's like my dream house, you know? It's just like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. But the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking, I couldn't live here. If I lived here, I wouldn't want to ever die. You know, I wouldn't ever want to go. Like, it's, I would just be like, oh, man, I want to go back to my pool. I want to go to this. I want to go to this. My heart would be there. See, Jesus says that's what happens when you invest into this earth is your heart follows it. It follows your investments. You, you put your money in, in retirement, guess where your heart's going to be? But he says, start giving towards eternal things. And then you'll start longing for that. You know, uh, for me, when, um, when I started, I started a church like 20-something years ago, and uh, just lived real simply. We didn't have a whole lot, but then the church started to grow. And I told my wife, I go, this is what everyone does. As the church grows, the pastor's salary grows. I go, let's not do that. 
I go, because I actually want to be focused on eternity. And, uh, and I, I, I want to I sacrifice. I mean, Jesus sacrificed. I, I, love, I love hearing about missionaries and what they sacrificed. And just because we live here in the States doesn't mean we shouldn't sacrifice. You know, and at the time, we were making like 36000 a year. And I go, if that's enough for us now, we should say no matter how big the church is, let's just always limit our salary and just say we'll never take more than thirty-six grand. You know, and so then the church started making these millions and millions of dollars are coming in, and we're just like, we're good. We're good. We're content. We're happy. This is good. And it's not because we're such godly people, but it's just like, no, I know how my focus will get. I know how I like good stuff. I know how I'll just start thinking about these other things if I don't limit myself. I want my heart to be in heaven. I want to focus on that. And then, and then years later, I, I ended up writing a book. You know, I started writing, and I, I, for those who don't know who I am, I'm kind of a big deal. And, uh, but I, I okay. you guys are thinking, oh, another guest speaker. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I write this book, right? Okay. And this is so lame, okay, because... I didn't know I could write. You know, I'm just writing this, this, this little book, you know, because I, I felt like God wanted me to say these things. And then suddenly, you know, publishers want it. And then my publishers are going, you, you're going to make a lot of money. And I just looked at my wife. I go, uh-oh. <laughs> Honey, I, we got to do something. I don't want this money. I don't, I don't want this. Like, I know what it's going to do to me. I, I said, let's, let's, let's give it away right now. Let's just sign over all the royalties. Okay, let's just say right now, because I know if we take this money, I'll end up buying stuff that I don't need. We'll end up buying stuff that we'll regret. But if we give it all away, according to scripture, then it's in heaven and no one can take it from us and we'll enjoy it a hundredfold forever. Because I, I was once taught you should make your decisions in hindsight because hindsight's always better. And so imagine yourself at the end of your life and go, okay, what will you regret, you know, and what will you wish you had done? And I go, we'll never regret this for all of eternity. And, and so let's just sign it all over right now so we can't even touch it because I know me. Man, I love nice stuff. I love good food. I like nice cars. I like fancy vacation. I, I like all of this, but if we spend it all on that, we're going to regret it. But if we give it away, it'll be so much better. And, and so we did that. But again, it's, it's just because why? Because of this verse. It's like, I don't want my heart here on earth. I really want to be focused on heaven. And so in these last few years, I mean, we've made millions of dollars, like six, seven million dollars, you know? And, and just to bug myself, like last night, I went online, you know, and just typed in homes in Maui. Because I just wanted to see what could I have bought, okay? And, and I'm looking and going, oh, man, that would have been so fun every morning with the kids. Wake up, hey, you know, let's, let's go snorkeling, let's go do this, 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 you know? And yeah, of course, like everyone else, I look and go, man, that would have been nice. But then I compare it to where the money went and the kingdom of heaven, and I go, but in my mind, I'm just, it's just by myself talking, and, uh, but how much greater it would be to take my kids to Zimbabwe and go, look at this, look at this hospital we built. Isn't this awesome? This has been going on for years. Look at these people walking, hey, how's your arm? You know, just like everyone, like, 
wow, so cool. Or we could go to Uganda and see the high school we built and these kids, you know, graduating. Or, or, or let's go to India and let's, let's look at just, let's just watch people drink out of these wells. Man, they didn't have water. Let's, let's go see this feeding program in, in Ethiopia. Let's, let's meet these girls that were pulled out of sex trafficking and, and now we're working these jobs. Like, like you, you know, let's go to Thailand and see this rescue home with these girls and let's just meet them because they were rescued out of the worst situations and, and just to, to gather my kids. Come on, let's just watch. Let's just look. I mean, when I compare, man, would I like a house in Maui? Would I like a Ferrari? Sure, that'd be cool. But compared to this, and then compared to the end of my life, to will look back and think, man, all the people that I got. To, see, it's, it's not about have to, have to. Do you, I have to do that? Do I have? It's like, man, don't you get it? Do you see that the kingdom of heaven is so beautiful and that Jesus is so beautiful and his way of life was so beautiful that, that when he says, look, it's more blessed to give than to receive, that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and said, no, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And God the Father enduring the cross and saying, no, I so love these people. See, my, my prayer for you guys is, is not that you would like stuff less. Um, when I pray for you, I don't go, oh, God, those people at reality, I pray they just wouldn't love their stuff and their money. No, I, I pray that you would get a glimpse of the kingdom that's so beautiful um, that you would love the kingdom more and that you would love people more because it's, it's a rush. I don't know if you've ever got to experience like feeding a kid that wouldn't have eaten. Like I, I've seen kids that, that are literally days before death because they're just skin and bone and the joy of like, look, I fed her, oh my gosh. You know, we're, we're helping nurse her back to life. Like the joy of that I get it. Stuff is fun. You know? And I've heard people say, oh, Francis, I'm different from you. I like the, I like the finer things. And I'm like, yeah, I, not me. I love crap. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, if I have a choice of a crappy car. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like there's some special gift in some of us. It's just that the Lord's opened our eyes to something more beautiful. And we look at the kingdom and go, this is going to be good. This is going to be really, really good. And, uh, you know, this week I asked Dave, I said, you know, can I, can I speak first and you come after? Because, I don't know, I, I sense like these two weeks, like last week and this week, initially I just kind of came going, oh, yeah, I'll do a two-week series. Yeah, let's do this. That'd be, that'd be cool. And I don't want to overstate anything, but I feel like this is more than just two weeks of teaching. Um, I genuinely believe God wants to take reality to another level in your understanding of the kingdom of God. That, like we talked about last week, I think a lot of you may have been like that rich young ruler where if God said, hey, you can have everything and just add me to it. You'd be like, yeah, just like the rich young ruler would. But God's saying, no, 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 I'm asking you to trade. Trade your whole life. Give me everything and I'll give you something better. 
And I, I think sometimes we can get in a room like this and just sprinkle a little spirituality to our life or add a little Jesus or add a little morality. And Jesus never gave us that option. We either go away sad or we go away like fanatic about him. And rather than just like a cool, I'll take a little religion and I'm not saying that's all of us in this room, but I just feel like the Lord wants us to give us a, a bigger glimpse of him where we go, man, God, I am in, I'm crazy about you. I am so crazy about you. I can't wait to see you. My heart is in heaven. And I believe, Dave, as, as your pastor, is going to lead you in those ways and that there's a, there's a tough burden on him, a great burden that he's excited about, but it's to really lead you into a way of living that's gonna be different, where people look at you and go, wow, you're just like Jesus, the way you're living your life. And so before he comes up, I'd like to pray for him. Um, and I'd like you to join me, and that doesn't mean just close your eyes, but I think to really, in fact, Dave, would you come up here? Like, can we pray for something supernatural to happen in this man's life where he gets a wisdom and a courage that just way beyond his years, like supernatural. Would you just believe with me right now that something supernatural from God himself is gonna take place as we pray? God, you know how I love my brother Dave, and I just want him to know you so, so deeply. God, would you please just make him one of the most courageous people on this planet, and one of the most humble men on this planet, and give him a wisdom like you gave Solomon so he would know how to lead and navigate in this city. And specifically with Reality Church, Father, that he would take them to this level with you so that one day in the new heaven and new earth, so many will come to him and say, thank you for speaking truth. Thank you for having the courage. Thank you for leading us. I remember that year, 2015, when it was like something new fell upon you and you just took us to another level. God, I pray that for my brother, even right now as he teaches. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah, yeah there... Um there are probably like three people in the world that you don't want to follow. And Francis is definitely like two of them, I think. Um, yeah, so when he asked me this week, I think I should open. I'm like, all right, if Jesus says so, I will do that. Um, yeah, so this is kind of getting to know. Get, I met Francis like the second year we had our, we started this church. And, um, uh, and you know, Spending time, a lot of time with him over the last few years, it's, sometimes it's, it's a bit frustrating because he's not one of those guys that just says things. Like a lot of pastors sometimes just say stuff. And, and he could, you could almost think that he's guilty of doing that because he just says stuff. 
But when you, when you, when I, if I spend time with him, he just doesn't say it. He like does it, and that actually makes you more frustrated. You're like, oh, you're not just saying it. You're like doing it, and it's and and it's it's frustrating in the sense that it gets under your skin and it challenges you. And I think that's kind of what happened this last this this in this series. This this is something as we've been talking the last two weeks that has got under my skin for 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 a while, maybe for the last year. Um, this idea of what does it really look like to give our lives completely o- over to God and live for heaven? Because I think what's happening is we've been talking. We talk a lot, especially around Christian circles. And you guys might not know this. You guys don't run in Christian circles. Maybe a lot of us were, were kind of inoculated from Christian culture in San Francisco. But, but, but we, we're around Christian circles. There's this, whole, there's this whole thing around like being culturally relevant and culturally engaged and really, really cool. And, and Christianity is like this thing where, where you are bringing heaven to earth. And what happens is there's a side effect to that. And that side effect is this. You don't think about heaven anymore. You only think about earth. We're like, we're bringing heaven to earth, and you don't think about, I'm actually living into heaven, and that's bringing, earth, that's bringing heaven to earth. You start thinking, well, then I have to just do all these things on earth, and we lose sight of heaven. We, like, lose the fact that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. And not only that, not only will you spend eternity God with heaven when he renews heaven and earth, but that the things that you do on earth affect that. And that mo- a lot of scripture, like, talks about heaven and earth as a, like a contrasting thing. Like you can spend all of your life pursuing things of earth or you can spend your life pursuing things of heaven. And those two things don't overlap unless you're spending your time thinking about the things of heaven. That's the only way they overlap. So, I, so this has been under my skin for a while. And the thing that we said last week is this. This is basically the point of these last two weeks' teachings. The world, um, it's on a, on a slide, next slide. The world is not all that matters. The world is not all that matters. I think it was on. Okay, there it is. Thank you. Um, the, this is, this is kind of it. This, is, this has been it the last two weeks. The world is not all that matters. And I know that as we re- read that, it, it's hitting in different places in the room, and I understand that. Like, there's some of you in here that you've lost someone really close to you over, in the last, I don't know, five years, two, one year. And then you, you love them so deeply that when you buried them into the ground and as they died in Christ, they went, their soul went to heaven, it feels like a part of you went there as well. And then the gravity of this world has let, let go a little bit. Because you love them so much, they died, you're like, My, I don't really feel tied to this earth as much since they're not here. And you're going through a really broken time. Maybe this world has just beat you up so much over the last however long. And when I say this world is all that matters, it just comforts you. You're like, ah, yes, thank you for saying that. And that's hitting some people in the room. Others of you, um, that statement is ultimately made, uh, frustrating to you. It's, it's untimely to you. And the reason why is because you're, you're moving up. You are, you've moved to San Francisco. You're upwardly mobile. You kind of like the city. You like your friend circle right now. And you're, because you're upwardly mobile, you'd rather say, you'd rather I'd say, you know what I, you should do? You need to suck all the marrow out of life as a Christian and enjoy the good that God has here and do all of your work to the glory of God. Like, that's kind of what you want me to say. And, you know, I think that's easy enough to say. I think that when I say that, there probably wouldn't be a single person in all of the city that would disagree with that. But to say just that, I would have to be skipping over a lot of Jesus' teachings, a lot of the posture of the New Testament writers. So I just can't, I can't just, I can't just say that. Um, but this also might be, might be hitting you in, in, the fence, in the sense that it's scandalizing you a bit. 
Like when you read this, you kind of think, well, this is the, this is the problem with Christianity. Today. This is kind of the, some of the problem. This is why Christianity is irrelevant. Because you're telling a whole group of people to not care about this earth. When we've done so much to destroy this earth and this environment, it's a scandal to say that. When you say that to the church, they don't think this earth matters. And I would just say at this point, we need nuance as a, as a church. We need nuance as the church. Because if anything, Christians should be leading the way in what it means to be good stewards of this earth. And I don't care if you call that environmentalism, you call that creation care or whatever. We, the, this is page two of the Bible, guys, okay? Page two. So if you don't have this down, you should just start over again and just read it. You get to page two and God's like, I've created you from the earth and from the dust and I breathe life into you and I want you to care for what I've put you, I want you to care for the earth. I want you to care for it. I want you to be my stewards over the earth. I want you to subdue the earth, be fruitful and multiply. I want you to take the, this garden here and I want you to take my rule over this garden, this garden of Eden. I want you to take it all over the world as my image bearers. Go and do that. And we didn't do that. But that's still our vocation. That's still our, still our calling. So we should, we should recycle. That's just a given. That's like a duh. I mean, but not just trash. You should be recycling clothes and furniture and money and your ideas. You should be giving it away to people and looking for the flourishing of this earth. That is kind of what we're here to do. So when we say you should care for this earth, even though earth is not all that matters, it's not, this is like page two. It doesn't make you a hippie to recycle. I mean, not showering and like wearing patchouli kind of makes you a hippie, but not, not this. This kind of still remains. Like this world is not all that matters. And I confess that the subject matter and its implications are heavy. Most of us, and, and I would say this for myself, um, I, we, we like to live life on this earth as if earth is all that matters, where we want to have it all now. We want it now. We want pleasure now, all the pleasure now. We want all the sex now, all the stuff now, all the love now, all experiences now, all money, all rewards. We want it now on this earth. In C.S. Lewis's uh, masterful first chapter of Weight of Glory, has anyone read The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis? You should read just this first chapter. Um, what he's trying to do in this chapter is he's trying to get his audience to detach from thinking that this earth is all that matters. And he's talking about eternity and heaven and beauty. And C.S. Lewis pulls out every literary stop. He pulls out he, persuasion, beauty, exhortation, poetry, romance, human experience, truth. He does all of it to get us detached from thinking that this earth is all that matters. And then at one point, in the middle of his speech, or the middle of this essay, he stops and he says this, and it's on the screen. He says, do you think I'm trying to weave a spell? The, the only C.S. Lewis can talk like this, by the way. He says, perhaps I am trying to cast a spell upon you. But remember your fairy tales. That's a great line, by the way. Remember your fairy tales. Am I trying to, like, I'm, I'm weaving all this stuff. It's literary. I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to use exhortation and romance and longing and all exile, all these things that you're feeling. Do you think I'm trying to weave you into a spell by telling you this stuff? Perhaps I am, but remember your fairy tales. Spells are used for breaking enchantments as well as for inducing them. And you and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness, which has been laid upon us for nearly a hundred years. All our modern philosophies have been devised to convince us that the good of man is to be found on this earth. As you're reading this first chapter, he goes in and out of this longing that we have for eternity and how, and how 
the things, the beauty, the music, the art, the things that we see on this earth are like just taste and hints of signposts of something that we were created that goes way beyond it. Like heaven is like the music that you were born remembering. It's that sort of thing. And he's like, and as he's getting into it, you kind of feel like he's persuading you. Even if you're an atheist, and he was at one time an atheist, and you feel like he's persuading you, then he says, do you, do you, okay, stop. Do you think I'm trying to cast a spell on you? I, I actually am. Because you're enchanted by this thing called worldliness. You are enchanted and someone has you in a spell. And someone has convinced you that this wor- world is all that matters, that this earth is all there is. And what we need is the, we need the gospel to break it. The word gospel in Old English is actually comes from two words, good spell. Our English word comes from these two words, good spell. And spell was, that word spell meant uh, the verbal news considered as having a magical force. And this is kind of where the gospel comes from. It's this English word or it's this understanding that the gospel is like the good news of Jesus breaks the enchantment of the world, breaks apart and shatters like this world is not all that matters. There's actually a better news than that. And sometimes that truth hits us right in the nose and it makes our like eyes water. But that's kind of what we need to do to see the light. We need to be woken up in this city. This city is so enchanting. I mean, we need to be woken up from like $5 toast comas, that kind of stuff. Like we, this, this earth is, this, this city, it just gets you. It gets, on, it gets to you where, you where you think that, um, I, the, a worship team here is from Santa Barbara, and they're, they're like, um, where's a good restaurant? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> like any, well, is there, what, what's open tonight after church? All of them. Like they're, like it's just, and there's just this way that the city gets under, like you come to expect the best of everything everything. And you think that this world is all that matters. And you get lost in its, in its coma. You get lost in its enchantment. But there's more than this world. So Jesus tells this great parable to illustrate. He says this in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. I always found that funny. He's like, I'm not going to tell anyone about this. And he hides again. But that's not the point of the parable. Let's keep moving. And then in his joy... He went and sold all he had and, brought, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like that. And I want you to notice this. Notice this. First, notice that no one tells the farmer or the merchant to do anything. And Francis kind of alluded to this. Do I have to sell everything? Do, did you notice that, that no one told them to do anything? They found it, and the treasure spoke for itself. The treasure said, they saw it, and they're like, oh my gosh, I will, what do I have to do to get this? I will sell anything. I don't have to do anything, but I'm going to because this treasure demands it. This, tre- this treasure demands my all. The treasure demands everything. So no one says, hey, you should do this or you have to do this. No one, it's, that's not even mentioned in the text. They see the gem, they see the treasure, and they know what it's worth. And they knew and they found that its worth was, was worth so much more than what they had. And that what they had part is what, we need, what needs to break in our, in our lives. We think we have so much. We think we, think we, we think we have it all. Like, but if I give up all this great stuff, no. It's not, it doesn't even compare when you see the beauty of God's kingdom. See, they saw that Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like when you see it, you see the value of it, you see the beauty of it, you see the security of it, the worth of it, and you're willing to give up everything for that treasure. But also notice this, that the word sacrifice is never used. 
the selling of everything they had, liquidating all their assets, was no sacrifice. What Jesus is actually saying is that it was actually smart business. These two people were very smart business people. The farmer, as he's farming, he's like, oh, this is, this is a good investment because there's oil here or treasure here or gold here. I found a vein of gold. Like, this is worth it. This is a good investment. So I'm, it's worth selling everything I have to invest here. And, and, the, and, the, and the merchant, the jeweler, he finds this pearl. And he's like, this is the best pearl I've ever seen. And if I sell everything I have and I leverage everything I have for this pearl, this pearl will set me up for life. What Jesus is saying is that it just makes sense. This is kind of what Francis alluded to at the very beginning. When you see the kingdom of heaven, it just it makes logical sense to invest everything you have in it. It just makes sense. It's smart business because you know it's forever. Everything you buy on this earth will run out, be stolen from you, or be broken. But not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is like, if you just want to be smart, it just makes sense. And they found it was a good investment, and they gave everything they had. See, the word sacrifice isn't used, but the word joy is used. You see how it says, and with great joy, he went and bought that field. With great joy, he sold everything he had. He's not like, oh, man, i got to sell that thing. It's, it's such a joy. Like, I was just thinking, like, we, when my wife and I didn't move here, we, it was such a joy to sell our house. I mean, I, I literally just gutted it myself and remodeled it and spent all this time and money and energy. And it was right, we got it exactly, like, where we wanted it, our house. And I, and I do, I, and I like nice stuff, too, just like Francis was saying. And I had it, I, I did it, and I, as soon as we were done, God's like, okay, um, I'm, call, I'm calling you to plant a church. And I, there, was not, there was not a single thing that I, that I, where I felt like, oh, but I have to give this up. I mean, we sold almost everything. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was, I'd do it all over again. If God did it again, I would sell everything I have, and it wouldn't even be a thing. I just don't care. This is, this is because it's so much worth it. Like, following Jesus is so much worth it. It's just, it's silly to hold on to the things of this earth. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. And this is what Jesus is saying, the joy now, don't write this off, because if this is true, if you're new and you're just like, you're in this place where you're, you're kind of exploring or very skeptical, skeptical still about Christianity, I don't want you to write this off because if this is true, this is saying that finding the kingdom of heaven feels like finding a treasure that you will joyfully give up everything you own to get. The kingdom of heaven is that precious. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And the beauty of God, God's kingdom is like that. And this is, this is the point where you may be asking, or you ask, even just like, like last week, does this mean I can't own a bed? Or does this mean I can't own a home? Or I can't own a car? Does this mean I should give up everything and work in full-time ministry or be a missionary or be in vocational ministry? Is that what it means? It's that I can't work in the startup that I'm working at right now? That I can't be doing what I'm doing? Is that what it means? I want you to see the point of this parable. I want you to see what this parable is trying to do. It's not telling you to give up your stuff. No one's trying to take your stuff. I'm not trying to take your stuff. The church is not trying to take your stuff. Okay, so it's not, it's not trying to take your stuff. It wants you to sit with this question. What is what you're holding on to worth it? Is what you're currently holding on to worth it? Do you see the beauty of God's heaven? Do you see your stuff and God's stuff and go, but I'd rather hold on to my stuff because my stuff's worth more than God's stuff? That's what it's trying to do. Do you see the kingdom of heaven as a better investment? 
Do you see the kingdom of heaven as a more joyful experience? Do you see the kingdom of heaven as a true fulfillment of all of your earthly desires? See, I, I, I don't think that it's because we're Epicurean San Francisco's that love to suck the marrow out of life that we find this challenging. Actually, in, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Weight of Glory, in, in, that, in that first chapter, he talks about this. He's like, you might, be, you might be thinking, well, I can't do this kingdom of heaven thing because my desires are so big. I just love stuff so much. I love, I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gregarious. I love life. I go after it 100%. The kingdom of heaven would, would rein me in. I can't do that. And he would say to you, maybe, maybe, could it be that it's not that your desires are too big, but your desires are too small. He says, you're, you're actually, you're fooling around like a half-hearted creature with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to you. It's not that your desires are too big, they're actually too small. You're just happy enough to have a good job where people know you and then get a reservation at a, at a restaurant in this city or like get, get the password to a speakeasy or something. And that, you're happy with that. You're like, I've done it. I'm like living the life. And then C.S. Lewis would say, actually, you're, you're kind of dumb. Like that is not life. Your desires are actually kind of weak and you're a half-hearted person. You actually need to step into fullness. There is a lot more out there than that. Our desires need to grow. We need to start desiring the right things. Jesus never, I don't, Jesus doesn't talk about desiring less things. He just says desire the right things. He just like moves it. He's like, I don't, it's not that I don't want you to seek, I don't want you, he doesn't want us not to seek rewards. He wants us to seek rewards, but rewards in heaven. He wants us to seek like a, 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 like a name for ourselves, but a name written in the Lamb's book of life, like that kind of stuff. Like seek that stuff. I, the disciples, after spending time doing awesome ministry, came back and go, God, the, the demons were even subject to us. Jesus is like, that's whatever. That's not even, not even that. You know what's cool? It's that your names are written in heaven. That's, that's pretty cool. So Jesus doesn't, he, he wants us to have all the capacity and all the desire and all that stuff, but he wants it to be shifted into the right things. So for you, you guys are, this city is just, it's hard to keep up with this city. It's hard to keep up with you guys as, as like a pastor here. Because you guys are always asking me, I have this idea, I have this thing. And I, I love all of your ideas. You guys are, I feel like you guys are like, my children, like, great idea. <laughs> Do that thing, you know? But you guys, but I, I just think if, if we just kind of expanded our hearts a bit and go, I, I want to do the thing for the kingdom of God. Like that's what I want my thing to be. And when I work in this place that I work at, I want to see, God, I want to see your kingdom break into this place. And I want to use my time and my money for the kingdom of God. Like we're the most, this city is the most creative city in the world. In the world. The church we should be people that are like set on fire with the right desires. This parable is trying to get us just to see, kind of like with, that, with that, that great hymn that we sing does. That turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Tomorrow night, we're going to be spending time in prayer for our church. And we're going to be watching this... Um, this documentary, it actually just came out a few weeks ago on HBO called San Francisco 2.0. And, um, and then we're going to let that lead us into time of prayer. And what, what I, and 
I don't know, it depends on where it hits at you. Some people watch this documentary and it makes them mad. Some people get them really stoked, like, oh, I live in that city. Um, I think both of those things are right, and that ha- those, those things happen, but I, 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 want, I want the, like, what I, what I desire tonight as we move into worship is, like, the things that the city offers us, all the perks, all the ways they try to allure us to their company, all the ways they try to tell us that we're going to change the world, all those just lose their, just lose their allure a little bit. They're like, you can't buy me. If God calls me here, I'll, I'll work here. And I'm, and I'm just going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what I'm going to be about. Like, the, the, this city kind of loses its luster a bit. And we see God's kingdom because we have bigger desires. Bigger desires. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> God, I, I, I want to pray for this church. I, it's, as one of the <clears throat> pastors here, you know, the challenge it is to pastor this, this beautiful church of yours, this creative church. And, and I, I want to pray for, uh, first of all, that this city and our minds together collectively as we move into a time of worship and, and singing, that this city would lose its like luster a bit. That we wouldn't be so wooed by it or romanced by it or intoxicated by it. That it would just lose that thing that like we're just kind of giddy walking around going, oh my gosh, San Francisco. We just, it would, that would just kind of like be lost and we would be going, oh my gosh, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, yes, that. We want that, more of that, more. Lord, come. I pray for those that are really, really, really um, and, and, and places of and, it, incredible power in this city. Or even those in the room that lead companies and businesses and oversee people and all that stuff, I ask right now that you would give them your wisdom. I pray that you would endow them with, the, with like a vision of heaven to where they see their life is like just a small part of what you're doing in your kingdom and they want to be a part of that. And they would see that, they see the inbreaking kingdom of God in where they work. I pray for those people in here that are just so, um, that just, that are working in a job, they just, they really do want to see your kingdom break in, but they don't even know how because they're going to work tomorrow and they're just like kind of bummed because they, they might get a glimpse of this, but they just don't even know how to even translate that. I pray you'd speak to them. I pray that you would lead them. I ask God that it would start by them waking up and going, I want to, I want, I want to be about my father's business today. And every conversation they have, every way they interact with people, any way that people try to, every way they have to respond to negativity or even slander, they would do it with joy and with like following the lamb who was slain. And I ask God together that you would give us a testimony, the way that we live with each other and the way that we act and treat each other and the way that we, we live out the Christian life in this city would be, would be like the kingdom of heaven breaking in. It would feel like as we seek first the kingdom, heaven is coming down to earth. That, that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. As we just live into heaven. Do that in this church, Lord. Please, God. Please. No one, there's not a single person that has the, the, the strength or the wisdom to do this in their own power. We need your spirit, God. So would you breathe upon us right now? In Jesus' name, amen.